0: Welcome to the Time Out Bulls podcast, driven by Lexus. Visit a Chicago area Northwest Indiana Lexus dealer today to test drive the full lineup of all-wheel drive vehicles. My guest today on Time Out Bulls is one of my favorite people in the coaching profession, Mike Bray, the head coach of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. I love this guy. He's a great coach, he's a great communicator, and you talk to players who play for him, and they all marvel at his not only gift, to lead young men, but also just the feel for the game of basketball, more importantly for the game of life. So we had a chance to sit down with Mike Bray to talk about his upbringing, talk about coaching, and talk about Notre Dame. So let's go with Time Out Bulls featuring the head coach of the men's program of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, Mike Bray. We're actually uh, taping our broadcast today from downtown Chicago at the um, Chicago Brand House, that's right, the uh, Upper Armor uh, great folks here and uh, we want to make sure we acknowledge them, Under Armour, and so we thank them very, very much. Mike Bray has joined us, Mike, uh, we can go a lot of different places, I know our time is limited, but first, I want to ask you, I read a great story about your parents, <laughs> Sure. and Let's talk about your mom first. She was very influential in your life. She was an Olympian. Give me an idea
1: about how she shaped and molded Mike Bray. You know, she was the ultimate competitor. She really was a '56 Olympian. She was swimming uh, and competing in women's athletics, you know, back in the 40s and 50s when there weren't a lot of opportunities for women. She was so ahead of her time. Um, But the ultimate competitor, Olympian, she was a great educator and teacher, as was my father. So the dinner table talk around our house was them and how they interacted with their students. What always struck me about both of them, my mother and father was their pupils or their players who played for them or swam for them, would come up to me when they weren't around and said, man, I, I love your parents, I love your dad, he's been great with me. And I, I think that I was like, I, I wanna do that. Like, mm-hmm. I wanna have impact like that. And so in a lot of ways, I feel I'm still in the family business. We're all educators. My sister is an elementary educator down in Florida. My brother is in education. Um, but my mom was the ultimate competitor, very intense. Uh, still competitive right up till the day she died. Uh, would call me when she was 83, and uh, she'd say, "Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd wait for her to say, Mike, how you doing?" And she'd go, "Are we ready for Duke tomorrow?" <laughs> so you know, it's, there was an edge about her that I probably got a piece of, and thank God I did. Okay, so
0: it, obviously no social uh, commentaries, networking in in 1956. Do you have any video of her in the Olympics?
1: I do, and I brought it home the other night. My son is with me right now for a couple weeks with my granddaughter and, and and his wife, and I had some friends over, and she had an 8-millimeter camera that she snuck into the opening ceremonies in Melbourne, Australia. She snuck it in, and we were watching it the other night. And, of course, the Athletes' Village in 1956 was not the best of shape compared to what they build for him now. It was she, like the NBA players on a yacht. It was, uh, exactly. <laughs> she had footage of the track guys warming up. She, she has footage, get this, of Bill Russell and KC Jones going into the dining hall. They were on the 56 gold medal basketball team. She has footage of her and Johnny Weissmuller. Wow. Tarzan. Yes. I was trying to explain yes. to the young people who, yeah, Tarzan, who Tarzan, Tarzan was. Is. Johnny Weissmuller and her were, all, you know, he was on the men's, she was on the women's team. So, we're looking at it and, and my daughter-in-law was going off on the opening ceremony events. They had white gloves and right. it was just, it was unbelievable. We watched it during the Olympics because every Olympic year, you know, I always think of her so much because that was her time and we would talk almost every night during the Olympics.
0: All right, uh, I, I do want to get to X's and O's and I, I really want to talk Notre Dame basketball, obviously, but I also want to address um, a subject that's obviously very sensitive, but a lot of people probably can relate to what you're going to discuss, and that's dementia. Your father, unfortunately, passed away from that uh, illness, and a lot of people are dealing with that as a son, and also as
1: somebody who's gone through this. What can you share with us? I tell you what, I, I that was the hardest to watch him. You know, the last six months. Um, you know, I I didn't realize how much my mother was covering for him the previous couple years, but she really did. And then once we lost her. It was evident that he just could not take care of himself and he deteriorated really badly after my mother passed. It was about six months to the day that he passed, but it was a blessing. He was in such bad shape. And, you know, I've shared and talked about with other people my age who have parents in their 80s -hmm. now and are going through it. It is really a cruel, cruel uh, disease, affliction, whatever you want to call it. And, so, you know, you're involved with a lot of charities when you're a, a coach and you have a platform, and we do Coaches versus Cancer, and I do a thing for the Heart Association. And I, I do want to get into some stuff with Alzheimer's and dementia and, and see if we can maybe get a cure for that because uh, it's uh, we, my brother and sister and I were each, we, re, we were each other's support system, and you need that because it's really painful to watch. You're entering your 17th year? 17, 17. yes. It goes quickly, it does. Wow. It does. I'm. Uh, I can't believe I've been out, out here in the beautiful Midwest for 17, but it's been a great fit. Well, it has been a great fit, and and obviously the Digger
0: was yes. Digger, and yeah. and he had a tremendous run, a great run, and I love the way you've embraced him, and he's open to coming to practice, and and it, it's fantastic. Where a lot of coaches would be looking over their <laughs> shoulders, saying, "Okay, like I, you know, come on," but when that job opened up. Did you ask for help to get that job? Did you put out, like the moment that job opened up, I'm going after that job. How do you get to be the head coach at Notre Dame?
1: It's a great story, the drama behind it, because I was involved with it when Matt Doherty got it. I interviewed and did not get the job in 99, and Matt Doherty was hired. Never in my wildest dreams did I think that would open again in my window. Move so because he
0: left to go to North Carolina as alma mater,
1: right? And but but when he took it and I didn't get it, I'm thinking, okay, well, he's going to be at Notre Dame a while, so that job will never open. What would be the next one for me if I continue to be successful at Delaware? Well, Roy Williams, talk about you know the domino effect in college basketball. I always kid Roy, I said, Roy, thanks for turning down a North Carolina job because that set Matt up to take it, Mm. and he went to Carolina. So a year later, with a whole new AD. I'm back in the mix, and I get the job, and it's it's crazy. Um, but it, I think, because I was involved the last time, and probably you know was a runner-up or a strong candidate. You know, they quickly reached out to me, and I'll never forget Missy Conboy, our associate AD, who's still there. Called me at my basketball office in Delaware and was kind of sheepish because they didn't hire me the last time. Like maybe I would, well, you know, I, I don't know if you'd be interested, and you know, because we didn't hire you last. I said, Missy, nothing's changed. I think I'm a great fit for. Where do I need to be? Where... Tell me where I need to be. I think I'm a great fit. So, uh, fortunately, Kevin White hired me. Uh, Monk Malloy was the president at the time, and um, it's just been a fabulous fit. I think it's always one that I've been trained for. You know, being at Duke. And being an assistant there, and, and dealing with admission standards, and having to recruit a pool of kids that are, that are that are going to compete academically, I was used to doing that, and we had to do that at Delaware as well. So I thought it was a fabulous fit, um, and you know, seventeen years later, we're still doing it, and I'm I'm honored to be the guy at Notre Dame. It's such a powerful place. Um, it it amazes me still after seventeen years the reach of our brand uh, worldwide.
0: Yes. Uh, Digger, I, I can still as I'm, I'm doing this podcast with you right now, Mike. He he wrote that note when he was mm-hmm. a, a young coach, Eric Parsonigan, about one day he wanted to be the head coach, basketball coach at Notre Dame.
1: When you were a kid, what were your expectations when you got into coaching? Where did you want to be? You know, it's funny when I was when they hired me. Every the media, you know, they wanted something juicy. Like, did you watch Notre Dame football as a kid on Sundays? I said, absolutely not. No, I didn't. I watched Notre Dame basketball, though, and Digger's teams were fabulous, and Trapuca and Jackson and Paxson and all of them. I I watched them all, so that was my my connection. I really thought I was going to be a high school coach. My dad was a high school athletic director. I was around him all the time. I was Morgan Wooten's assistant at DeMatha High School, and the year before, I tried to get the job at Churchill High School in Potomac, Maryland. I'm a physical education major, and they didn't have a teaching position, so I didn't, I couldn't get the job. I go back to Dematha a year later. I'm assistant at Duke. So, but I always thought of myself as I'm going to be a high school coach. Coach Wooten had a huge impact on me. My dad, we're high school educated. That that'd be a good life. I've seen my parents live that way. Coach Wooten was such a mentor, and I respected him. I said, I think I'll do that. And you know, you end up going to Duke, and you get on a different track. I still kind of draw, though. I was a classroom teacher at DeMath. I taught U.S. history six periods a day to juniors. And of course, back when you teach, you teach at a Catholic high school, you take the Oath of Poverty. I was working bingos on the yeah. weekend. You're doing all of it. Um, but you ended up on the college route. But the, the high school experience that I had as a teacher and coach, I draw on every day 17. Well, I'm 22 years into being a head coach now. So it was a great experience for me to learn. Thanks for tuning in to the Time Out Bulls podcast driven by Lexus. The Bulls
0: aren't the only ones with a long season. We all know the Chicago winter can be long and challenging as well. But with 22 all-wheel drive models by Lexus, you don't have to be stuck inside. Visit your Chicago area and Northwest Indiana Lexus dealer to test drive today. Lexus all-wheel drive, your anecdote for cabin fever. All right, for the benefit, because we have a lot of people fortunately listening to our podcast a lot of high school coaches college coaches college assistant coaches mm-hmm. when they see that uh, when we promote the fact you're going to be on they're going to listen and they're going to say you know what here's this guy gets a job as an assistant coach at duke yeah how do you know when is the right time to leave
1: well i was really fortunate because Dematha was not your typical high school program coach wooten at the time was the all-time winningest coach unbelievably respected i played for him then i came back and coached with him and we had a lot of really good players which means every head coach in the acc in the big east were swinging through and watching our guys i'm the young guy on the staff and coach wooten is letting me run parts of practice uh, what a great audition for dean smith mike sheshefsky lefter giselle terry holland to sit there and go who's this young guy yeah. i i was getting on audition just like our players were and you know, so uh, the Duke situation came up. They recruited Danny Ferry really hard. That was a the guy they had to get. And you could say when Mike K got him, it kind of swung it his way and away from Carolina for a while and really got him going because he was the National High School Player of the Year. Well, Mike was younger. He had an opening, and he wanted a younger guy that was going to be with him a while, not somebody who was just going to come in and want to be a head coach after three years and use it as a resume sure. builder. And I needed time. Bobby Bender, yep. who, who who's now with Memphis. Yes, Bobby Bender was the top assistant. He and I got really close through the recruitment of Ferry, and I think Bobby Bender probably got me the job and said I could really work with Mike, and, instead of these other candidates. And uh, so I'm always indebted to Bobby at the time too. So I was with Mike eight years. It was an unbelievable run. We go to six Final Fours in eight seasons. Think about that. Yeah, it was. I was spoiled. You know, I mean, you know, I, I my first year. The year before, George Belanus, who worked for Puma, who was our shoe contract, he gave me a frequent flyer ticket to go to the Final Four, and I got tickets from another coach, and I'm sitting up in the nosebleeds. The next year in Kansas City, I'm on the Duke bench at the Final Four. So, And, and of course, George Belanus was then going like, you got to be kidding me. Now we're asking you for tickets. You know, <laughs> Used to freeload off us. So I, I've been so fortunate, but there's no question, DeMatha High School – Put me in a position to make that move, and then certainly Mike really trained me because Mike Mike's whole thing was I don't want anybody coming down here to Duke who doesn't want to be a head coach. You're going to get your hands on everything, and I did, and I was really ready to be a head coach in '95 when I went to Delaware. So, sell the program for a second. Uh, there are a lot of great
0: programs, yeah. as we know. All these kids are being, you know, they're being so. As far as just the adulation, they hear everything. They're told at the age of 12 they're going to be in the NBA. Why should a kid decide, I want to play for Mike Brave?
1: Well, you know, guys get better with us. We have an unbelievable track record of guys getting better. We don't have one-and-dones, and and very rarely do we have guys leave early. I've only had two, Troy Murphy and Demetrius. But would you take a one-and-done? We would. Always have an open mind to that. I don't know if that's ever going to really be a fit, but you always have an open mind. We're better with four and sometimes five-year guys like Jaron Grant. He was a redshirt as a freshman. Guys have gotten better with us. you Grant. We're on a run of getting guys better. They grow up in our program. We're a little bit of a throwback. Our offensive style play is really fun. It's very efficient. And it's very NBA-ready. We play a lot like the league is playing. And so I think it gets guys ready for the league. Now, let's talk about our degree. You know, it's one of those degrees, and I tell kids, at some point, I don't care how good you are, Jaron Grant, they are going to take the ball from you and ask you, what else can you do? If you say you're a Notre Dame graduate, you're a Notre Dame man, you're going to be plugged into our network. Uh, and, And then, lately, in the last three years, Atlantic Coast Conference playing in what I think is the best and deepest league. So we've got really good momentum right now, you know, with our stuff, but uh, it's it's a good, and, and you know what I've told kids in the last couple of years? You're getting the teacher. You're getting me at a great time. I'm not the 38-year-old guy who just got the job. I'm not 65 trying to get to the golf course. We're really close here, back-to-back elite eights. You're you you're getting me at a great time to, to teach you and get you better. Uh, the Notre Dame connection. First, let's talk
0: about Jaron Grant and and John Paxson. Paxson, of course, great player. I mean, I in fact I actually called Paxson's last game. It was in the NIT against Northwestern on St. Patrick's Day in 1983. That was the, his last game, and they unfortunately they lost on St. Patrick's Day in Chicago. That's not supposed to happen for a Notre Dame, game, but. Uh, how influential has Pax
1: been on you and your program? And then you can discuss Jaron Grant. Well, I've all, always really respected John and from afar, you know, and, and watching him as a player, as a pro, the class act that he is. Yeah, he's a great man. He is a heck of a man, first of all. And I really appreciate how supportive he has been of me. You know, he is from that old guard. You know, I didn't coach him. And you wanted to be good enough where those guys felt good about the program again, and I think they do. John has been extremely supportive. I think we support each other when we're going through ups and downs. We've gotten to be very good friends, and I, it's, it's so valuable to have his support and input. He's our biggest fan. I mean, after a big win, if there's I get a text from him all the time, and after a tough stretch, He'll check in and go hang in there, man. And and so I that's important because he really is an ambassador for us in, in basketball. I'm, I've been really, really thrilled to get to know him and hang with him. And I think he's going to get over for a football game here, and we usually hang up. And he talks about the Bulls, and I talk no. about the <laughs> Irish. Jaron Grant. I I couldn't be more excited that he's here with you guys in Chicago. Number one style of play. I love Fred Hoiberg. I love what he does offensively. You know, the utmost respect for him and how he coaches and teaches and and, and how they do it offensively. Jaron is a screen roll, ball screen guy. I don't know if there's – you know there's not many better decision makers off the ball screen in the whole league and I think Bulls fans will start to see that as the year goes you saw it a little bit in the summer league as a matter Mm -hmm. of fact but you get him in ball screens he's a great reader of ball screens and uh, I think he is gonna find his spot in this league with this team and I'm excited that I'm only an hour and a half away and I can get to some games to see Jaron play
0: okay Um i'm gonna let you go but but when i i was telling a friend last night i said yeah we're gonna interview mike bray oh i love mike bray (laughs) and i gotta you know he's always styling my wife always tells me hey you know what you gotta start dressing like mike bray (laughs) i said what yeah he he was where he got rid of the turtlenecks is that right i mean well my what's what's going on well
1: the old mock man my daughter finally said Dad, you got to get rid of that I don't think I'm this great style guy but she she'd redress me and you know I now, just do you don't wear a tie I just don't wear a tie no know, I mean one of the well, running why don't you wear a tie I, I just you know I haven't worn one in a while and I I do wear a tie to two things funerals and weddings I'll I'll, I'll break out the tie to, to those two things but games now but it's now it's a running. If I were to come out in a tie for a game, our fan base would be—they wouldn't know what to do. So now, it, it's almost like I can't touch it. But uh, I, I'm a little—I'm a little more comfortable with the dress shirt and the collar open than I was with the mock. But uh, you know, maybe it's a midlife crisis. I don't know. Okay.
0: <laughs> How about your mannerisms on the bench? Have they changed from your days at? At Delaware to now, where you are entering 17th season at Notre Dame?
1: One thing I learned after the Sweet 16 game with Wisconsin this year, I jumped off the bench like I thought I was the 48-year-old coach or the 42-year-old coach, and I popped my calf muscle, and I coached the East Regional game in a boot. So I have to remember to not be as active. I I think I'm pretty poised. Uh, I try and stay calm for my guys, at least outwardly. Inside, I may be doing backflips, but I think – you know, to be poised on the sideline and you know, seeing a little bit more of a calmer guy, I think has helped the kind of kids that we've had. Uh, I just got to remember, I can't jump off the bench anymore. I'm not the young buck I used to be.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, what's the greatest game you've ever been involved in?
1: You know, any level? yeah, you know, I, 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 there's two that come to mind. The 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 ACC championship game when we came back against North Carolina two years ago and came back. From you know down whatever we were ten eleven and won that thing and to go through Duke and Carolina on Tobacco Road in our second year in the ACC to win the ACC championship is an unbel- it, it's as good as anything we've done in the history of our program. The East Regional game is against Kentucky yes. in Cleveland last year. People have said still I still have people refs. So that, that's the best basketball game I've ever seen. The energy in the building, people stood the whole time, two teams throwing big punches. How we,
0: long did it take you to decompress from that game?
1: You know, it, it took a while. You know, it's funny, the last two years, when you go to the Elite Eight, you have played for a long time. It takes me a month to kind of get my legs and my energy back because you are grinding hard through an ACC season, and then you play the whole month of March. Uh, but that one took a while to get over. There's no question about it. I'm, we bust back to Cleveland the next day, and you're kind of going through the game. But it was more I was getting sad about, I can't coach Grant and Conanton anymore. Yeah. And uh, we got off the bus at the Joyce Center, and there was an intramural game on the main floor. And I said, come on out, because it was the last time I was going to have all these guys together. And we took one of my favorite pictures. We're all in our sweats kind of casual at midcourt, I stopped the intramural game, they all gave us a standing ovation, and I had that picture in my office of that that group was pretty good and that was the last time we were going to be together. That's the sad thing, you lose guys, but you know what's exciting to see? new guys like V.J. Beacham and Steve Astoria step up as leaders this year. Wow, well this has been great
0: I appreciate your time very very much I know, listen, yeah, Chicago loves you, I, I know you probably
1: love the city you Loved probably it. get through here. I love this town I love sneaking over here and, and uh, I've been, a, it's a favorite place to I got a couple different restaurants but you know I've always been a big Bulls fan and always respected how they do it and always cheered for Pax. I'm even a bigger fan now with Jaron Grant here. Good good enough. Mike, thank you. Thank you Lexus is a
0: proud partner of the Chicago Bulls. Visit your Chicago area Northwest Indiana Lexus dealer to see the extensive lineup of all-wheel drive vehicles. Don't let Mother Nature conquer you this winter.